Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4, and uh, some of the same themes are continuing. Remember, the two big themes of the book is suffering and holiness. Uh, I want to skip down, just for the sake of time, to verse 7 of chapter 4. It says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right, so so here again is an emphasis on holiness. Starting in verse 12, he'll return back to the issue of suffering. This is the way 1 Peter works. Is is It, it goes back and forth, all the while wanting to show how the two are related. And we, if, if we are to suffer well, it is because we've developed um, a character of holiness. Right. So you see some of the things he mentions here, uh, being uh, self-control and sober-minded, all for the sake of our prayers. So, so we prayers to be a big major part of our lives, as is being self-controlled and sober-minded. That alone would uh, change a lot of things about our life. Certainly, change things about our culture. Uh, self-control is a dirty word today. Um, and then he says, uh, keep loving one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. You think about it. If if you are driven by genuine gospel love, uh, think about the things you would not do as a result. Not only things that you wouldn't do, but the things you would do. That, that love uh, covers a multitude of sins. Not that it sweeps it under the rug, but that it prevents us from committing them, all the while allowing us to um, bring healing and hope and whatnot in our relationships. But in verses 9 to, to 11, we, we get Peter's version of spiritual gifts. We've talked about this in uh, Ephesians and other places. Uh, Romans is another example. The Bible lays out a spiritual gift for the believer. That if you are endowed with the Spirit because of confession of faith, then you are gifted by the Spirit for in, in a variety of ways. Uh, and and there's, there's several of them. If time uh, would allow, we could go through all that the Bible mentions. Uh, but what is striking is that uh, none of the lists seem to be exhaustive. So uh, we, we have to pull from various passages in order to, to see what some of these spiritual gifts. There's some overlap of some of these. Um, and, and one wonders if maybe there are additional spiritual gifts given to us by God um, that may not be explicitly mentioned in, in the New Testament. Regardless, you see verse 9, show hospitality without grumbling. So hospitality is a spiritual gift. No doubt you know people who are particularly gifted in that way. Uh, I'm probably not one of them. Uh, verse 10, as each received a gift, use it to serve one another. That's the purpose. The purpose of gifts is not, this is Paul's issue in 1 Corinthians 12, it is not so that people can think well of me as a teacher, preacher, leader, giver, administrator, uh, hosp hospitality, whatever it might be, the issue isn't so that people will think well of me, but that others may be served by these gifts. Right? So God gifts us for the good of others. Right? That's the whole idea of love. So um, you get um, whoever speaks, speak the oracles of God. Right? That's a spiritual gift. Whoever serves, uh, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, so service. Again, there, there are those who are gifted with uh, public speaking. 
that may not be as gifted with service, but speaking is their service. There are those who prefer to be in the background, who are very uh, uh, practical and they serve and, and all that, who don't want to be in the foreground, right? And, and it isn't that one is more uh, um, uh, worthy than the other, one is better than the other, uh, but rather they are both unique gifts that, that are given for the purpose uh, or for the good for other uh, other people. Um, and there it is, the the highlight there in at the end of verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him being belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the whole point of it all, that we live our life to the glory of God um, by the means of Christ and his finished work upon the cross, so that whether we are exercising gifts, whether we're suffering um, because of our faith, or we're growing in holiness, the point is that Christ would receive all glory and honor. Well, that leads to his discussion starting in verse 12 about suffering. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. This is unique in Christianity, that when we suffer for righteousness' sake, it is a cause of rejoicing. This is something that American evangelicals have lost because we've Americanized the gospel rather than, um, um, you know, we said the other day, we instead of making America Christian, we've, we've made Christianity American. Um, and so to us, suffering is bad and should be alleviated. The, the New Testament worldview is that although suffering is bad, right, we, we wish we didn't live in this world of suffering, at the same time, to suffer for righteousness' sake is a cause of blessing. Right? God does great and mighty things through the blood of the martyrs, through the suffering of, of the righteous, as the early church attests. He goes on, verse 14, uh, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Um, notice there, there's two types of suffering. There is suffering that is consequences of sin, and there's a suffering that is the consequences of living in a fallen world as a believer. Choose to suffer uh, for the cause of Christ and not um, because of unrighteousness. Right? So, so this is why holiness is so important in its relationship to suffering. Um, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, verse 16, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Then he concludes verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. It's a great summary, really, of the entire book of Peter. Those, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. At the end of the day, it's what we're called to do, to entrust our souls, to entrust our very being to our creator redeemer while pursuing his glory uh, by means of holiness. Really, that's the Christian life in a nutshell. It's helpful, uh, the way Peter puts it. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow.